we have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. What's up, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Garcia, and today we're coming to you after the Nuggets leave New York with a win. That's right. They got one, guys. They got one. The skid is not so bad. We're going to talk about it, because if you follow me on social media, you definitely saw the back and forth I got into with fans during this four-game losing streak. So we're going to get into that. And then in the second half of the show, we have a special guest coming on, Amin El Hassan with Meadowlark Media. Amin El Hassan from the Suns front office. He's worked with the Knicks. He's worked with the Hawks. He's been all over the league. He was with ESPN and now he is with Meadowlark. He also has an NBA show on Sirius XM Radio and is the host of Basketball Illuminati. All that to say, he's an expert, he's been around, and he was with the Suns during their 2005 to 2012 portion of of their franchise when they had an MVP in Steve Nash, similar to the Nuggets with Nikola Jokic. And they went to Western Conference Finals time and time again with Mike D'Antoni, Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, those teams back in 05 to about 010, that five-year period that feels a lot to me, feels a lot like what the Nuggets are doing right now. Similar market size, Phoenix and Denver. So definitely want to talk to him and compare those two time periods and see you know, if he sees any similarities and what his hopes are for the Stember Nuggets team and can they get over the hump because that Phoenix Suns team wasn't able to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So let's start by talking about this losing streak. The Nuggets lost four games in a row, their longest losing streak of the entire season, five games of their last six, right? Because they lose in New York, but they have a win in between there 
at Detroit. So they lose to Chicago, they lose to San Antonio, Brooklyn, Toronto, get a win in Detroit, and then lose in New York. Five losses over the course of the last couple weeks. And I completely understand something we haven't dealt with all season. So why would we be equipped to deal with it now (laughs) as fans, right? That's definitely how it feels on the internet, at least, that fans are kind of freaking out and even equating this overreaction to a four-game losing streak. I repeat, four games. If this four-game skid came in pre-All-Star break, nobody would be talking about it. If this four-game losing streak came at the beginning of the season, no one would be talking about it. It's only because where it is positioned in the season that everyone's freaking out. And I guess I got into it online because I I felt like, and I still feel like, we are acting like, <laughs> like this is trauma. Like your favorite sports team, a team that you totally control whether you want to support them or not. You totally control whether how invested you want to be or not. And we're labeling it as trauma when they don't live up to the standard and play to the standard of which we think as fans that they should be playing. I totally understand desiring your team to win. I totally understand wanting your team to win. I totally understand being disappointed when they lose. But equating it to the point where we're talking about trauma, abuse, neglect, this is not the same thing, y'all. Like, we just need to, like, name it something else. And I just feel passionately about that because if you know a little bit about me, I worked in social work for some time while I was pursuing this career in sports. I had a job um, mediating conversations for social workers who were dealing with families who were engaging in abuse or neglect of their children. That's like real trauma, right? And I'm not saying that every single Nuggets fan hasn't gone through real trauma in their life. You probably have. I personally believe that all people have gone through trauma. But to say that your sports team is causing you trauma, we're taking it a little far. Let's just be like, come back down to earth. Let's be more realistic. Yes, they've fallen short of the goal time and time again. Yes, you know, Carmelo Anthony and George Carl couldn't get you an NBA championship. And while that's very disappointing, and I can see why you know, losing four games in the middle of March might take you back to that moment and remind you of what that felt like. The fans are doing the criticizing when they lose these games. It's So it just feels like a massive disconnect. And that's all I'll say, I guess, about that. When you really look down at the numbers, the Nuggets are seven and six since the All-Star break. They have 10 games left. And they could very easily go 14 and nine, uh, finishing up those last 10 games. I don't think it's totally out of reach, and I don't think we need to jump to these conclusions that this team is going to fall short of the goal just because they had a four-game, five losses in six games situation. I think there is something of, like, there's some fatigue when you think about teams that want to win championships have to all buy into a system, and all these guys have bought into playing around Jokic and you've heard guys comment on this throughout the season in post-game pressers where they say, you know, we're all sacrificing. AG will say, you know, we're all sacrificing. Or everybody on this team is 
pulling in the same direction. Michael Porter has commented about how KCP has a lot more to his game, but he doesn't go to it because he's playing within the system that works to get wins as a team. So I do think like middle of March, you could have we could have anticipated a couple of losses here or there because guys get tired of playing within the system, whether that means they start to be lazy and not do all of the little things that they had been doing all season long. That might happen. Or you might see guys who are like, no, you know, I want I want a bigger role. I want to actually shoot the ball more. I want to actually uh, try my, try, you know, driving into the paint. I want to try, go to what my bag is, because I have a bag. Everybody in this league has a bag, big or small, and they want to, you know, showcase that. And sometimes that's what will impede you from getting to a championship. Do I think... It caused this team to lose four games in a row. Probably, I think there was a little bit of playing outside the system that came from all the guys. Jokic included, in fact, in some of these games, you could see where he wasn't even playing within the system. He didn't go to the two-man game in uh, against Chicago like he could have. He kind of let Vucevic get whatever he wanted in that game. They played outside of their system, every last one of them, and that's going to happen. I don't think it's worth like crucifying this team like I saw fans doing online. I think that was kind of ridiculous. They bounce back. They get a win in Brooklyn. Um, they're headed to the Wizards next where I think they'll get a win as well. Then they come home and face Milwaukee and Philly, probably the two most important games of this final stretch of the season, most important games that will you know lead to an MVP narrative uh, or either support Jokic's MVP narrative or it's going to confirm one of the other two guys, Giannis or Embiid, are the MVP. I kind of am of the people who think Milwaukee, maybe they split those two games. They lose to Milwaukee and win against Philly. I got to imagine after the last game against Philly that Jokic has learned from that matchup and that the team, you know, has learned from the matchup too that Coach Malone will probably throw something different at Joel Embiid this go around. Gotta imagine that I don't know he puts Aaron Gordon on Embiid instead, and then Jokic guards the power forward and is the help, kind of like what they threw at Jokic in that last matchup. And then they get the Pelicans on Noche en la NBA night. I do think that the Nuggets beat the Pelicans. They are just not playing great basketball as of late. And then they go Phoenix, come home for Golden State, Houston, Phoenix, Utah, all on the road, and then finish off their season against Sacramento. I do think that Sacramento game probably is a loss just because I think the Nuggets at that point, unless it affects their ability to keep the number one seed, I think at that point probably choose to either rest a few guys or just maybe not play as hard in that game. Um, they will have like a week off after that because of the play-in tournament that they will not be participating in. Woohoo! That's because the regular season does matter and your standing in the regular se- season will affect your seeding. And as we've talked about on this pod, seeding does affect who wins championships. So hopefully they're able to secure, I have them securing seven wins in the next 10. The Wizards, Philly, the Pelicans. 
I have them splitting, either winning one of those games in Phoenix and losing one. I have them beating the Warriors at home and losing to Sacramento in that final game. And then Houston and Utah should be obvious wins for this team. But obviously, the obvious isn't obvious all the time when you're dealing with humans. And I think we definitely need to take the human factor into consideration. But we're going to get into all of the factors that could affect a team from winning a championship next with Amin Hassan. Today's episode is brought to you by BetStamp. BetStamp is the best app for tracking all of your bets. If you're betting on sports, you want to use BetStamp to check the lines, make sure you're shopping and getting the best line for the bets you're putting in so that you get the best return for your investment. Check out BetStamp and when you do, download using promo code Jenna, J-E-N-A-G, as in Garcia. Jenna G is the promo code for BetStamp. Check it out today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. We're here with Amin Hassan. What's up, Amin? Thank you so much for joining the show. I cl- I wanted to have you on mostly because of your experience, the history of the teams that you've worked with, you know, mm-hmm. and um, why don't you just tell the people like, you know, the timeline of where you worked and, and when? Sure thing. So I got my start in the NBA uh, in 1999. I worked for the Atlanta Hawks in the most entry level of entry level positions street team basically um and that was kind of what opened the door for me to work in sports so uh 0405 i worked in basketball ops with the knicks and then i moved to phoenix to go to grad school and while i was in grad school i got a job with the Suns and uh pretty much worked for the next six seasons there until 2012 with the Phoenix Suns. And when I left there, I was going to try and work for another team and ESPN came calling. And so that's how I became a media person. Right. So you were with the Suns during that 05 mm-hmm. uh, through like 010 run that they had going yep. to going to the playoffs and everything. And that was really my biggest reason for having you on because I see some really some connections between that team and this Denver, this current version of the Denver Nuggets that has been kind of knocking at the door of a championship since 2020, we'll say back to the bubble Mm -hmm. run or even the season before that. Do you consider um, Phoenix like a mid-market team similar to Denver when you're thinking about size of market? Yeah, definitely mid-market team. I I think uh, people get confused sometimes with the size of the market versus the attractiveness of the market. Miami is a mid-market team. It's not a big 
market. And in mm -hmm. fact, I think Miami might be smaller than Cleveland in terms of market size, but because Miami is a fun place, people think of it as a big market team, right? They, they're swapping out market size for desirability. Phoenix is very similar. It's a very desirable market. Everyone wants to live here. And um, a lot of players, uh, retired players live in Arizona, even if they never played for the Suns. Uh, but it is in size, a mid-market team. And I would say it's comparable, I think, to Denver in size. Yeah. So like, just off the bat, when you're thinking of a of a fan base, because you know, um, I'm I'm to be quite honest, I'm getting overwhelmed and kind of I'm getting frankly tired of listening to the fans complain of this mid market team, you know, and they go on a six game skid, and it, really it's a four game skid, but you know, four in a row, uh, five out of their last six they lose, and fans just kind of lose it. Did you see? like a similarity in how fans react when the Phoenix Suns in this 05 to 010 run, you know, they were a really good team. I mean, that 05 team, yeah. 62 wins. It's a really good team, similar to the Nuggets where they're a great regular season team, but struggling to get over that hump. Yeah. You know, for us in Phoenix, you know, 05 was no one thought the team was going to be good. They, or they didn't know the team had missed the playoffs a year before and the free, you know, they had Amari, they had uh, Shaw Marion. The free agency was to go out and get Steve Nash, who a lot of people thought, oh, does he have anything left? And Mark Cuban made a big deal about I'm, he's not going to finish out that contract that he signed in Phoenix because his back is shot. Mm -hmm. And then the other signing was Quentin Richardson, who was, you know, a good player, but, you know, not a, like an all-star or a big what people thought was a big impact player. And, and so no one expected that team to be good. And then they won 62 games. They had the best record in the league um, and went to the conference finals and really uh, inexperienced, obviously playing against the Spurs who were, you know, they've been champs several times over by that point, And they went on to win their championship that year, but also Joe Johnson got hurt in those playoffs. And so when, uh, when he came back, um uh like he came back in that series i believe but it was just wasn't wasn't 100 percent. so you come back the next year 06 and joe johnson is gone because he got an offer sheet from atlanta and quentin richardson is traded to new york for cap purposes basically um and amar stoudemire is hurt <clears throat> so everyone said okay well now they're gonna be bad and of course they weren't I mean, we won 54 games and we went to the conference finals again and again injuries roger bell boris Diaw get hurt in the conference finals and and we just run out of gas so then 06 comes and now mari is back and 0607 we're awesome again we had the second most wins in the league i think that year yeah like 61 we, 21 yeah yeah, we. I mean, and that was a year I I'll never forget it. We won 15 games in a row, and went two and two, and then we won 17 games in a row. So they have two 15 plus game win streaks in the same season, in the same period of time. It was incredible. But at that point, everything I thought of, or everything we thought of, was all the negative stuff because the pressure to win was hitting. Now this is your third year. You didn't mm -hmm. win in the first year. You didn't win in the second year. Now you got to win. 
And of course, we end up losing to the Spurs with the Robert Oria hip check and all that. And those in are the, the kind of moments semis. in the conference semis. Yeah. And, and so when I think back, the idea, first of all, within those first three years, the only time we lost, like had skids like that, was when Steve would be hurt. Mm-hmm. And then to be exposed to like, oh shit, like without Steve Nash, we're not a good team. It's mm-hmm. not we're not as good. We're not a good team. And I think there there's a similarity there in Denver. It's that it's if Jokic isn't playing, it's not like, oh, all right, they're not quite as good as they are with him, but they're right. still a, like a 500 team or, you know, a, a 42, 43 with no. If he doesn't play, we're lottery. <laughs> and that's that, that that's like that's an a real kind of eye-opening realization to come to is like oh like we have no chance of even looking decent if our best player isn't out there but other than those pockets when he was out we never really had that i think the worst would have been 2009 2010 which is another year went to the conference finals Mm -hmm. um we started great we started like 15 and 4 and then we went like 16 and 20 or something in the middle part and a lot of that was just about we're playing different and then teams started game planning against us and we didn't make adjustments and then we eventually made the adjustment that we needed to make and that led to a great uh close to the year so in your opinion do you think you know in this like we're like we're talking about oh five you got an mvp and steve nash very similar to nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. you know you guys um, end up losing to the Spurs in the conference finals, lose to the Mavs in the conference finals after that, again to the Spurs, kind of having to really, yeah. you guys, they the Spurs had y'all's number for a minute there. Yeah. And then it's similar to like Denver, who, you know, they lose to the Blazers in 19, um, take them to the double o- or quadruple mm-hmm. overtime game that could have gone either way. And that series goes a different way. But then they lose in the Western Conference to the Lakers, who end up like the Spurs did, winning the championship. And then you lose in the Western Conference Finals in 21, the Nuggets do, to the Suns, who go to the championship and end up losing to the Bucks. And then they lose last season, unfortunately, in the first round, similar to, to the Suns in 08, losing the first round. Um, but they lose to the Warriors, again, who end up becoming the champs last season. Right. Y'all made a change uh, of coach after three three years in a row of getting bounced by the Spurs, basically. You go you switch out from D'Antoni. So I'm curious, you know, aside from just the MVP, you know, Nash Joker connection, what other similarities do you see in this run of the Phoenix Suns this time period and, and the Denver Nuggets right now? Well, I mean, first of all, the 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 coach switch was not our decision. That was my Mike left. Mm-hmm. And Mike left for two reasons. I think first of all, coaches are inherently um, paranoid creatures, right? Yes. They think the world is out to get them. They think they have no support. They think it's it's a they're an, you know. And I I get why. If you look at the average lifespan of a coach with a team, it's like three years or something like that. So for Mike, I think he interpreted feedback as like signs that we're not happy with the job he's doing. And as a result, he started to plot his exit and Mm -hmm. that's where he ended up 
ended up happening. I think he left after the fourth year, 07-08, where we got lost in the in the first round. Okay, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, like, if we were up to us, we would have kept Mike forever. And I have to imagine the Nuggets probably feel the same way about Coach Malone. There Are there things they wish he did differently or or changed or adjusted to? Of, of course, every front office feels that way about their head coach. But, like, it's like a relationship, right? Like, you're in a relationship with someone. There are things they do that annoy you. Are you ready to break up with them and go out and hit the dating pool over again? Probably not for a couple of reasons. One, you recognize and appreciate how great they are. But right. also because, you know, that dating pool out there is crazy, man. You might come back with <laughs> a real asshole, right? So, <laughs> right. so there is a, a level of comfort there in keeping a guy who has done a tremendous job. And I think Coach Malone has done that. Um, mm-hmm. The other, the other thing I guess would, you know, it's it's so different because, you know, we were given, you know, it was back in that era, you were given a chance to kind of try and fail, and then for people to be like, maybe this isn't working. You know, we lost in '05 because we were too young. We lost in '06 because we got hurt. We lost in '07 because of some some of a real janky suspension thing, right? 08, we lost because we weren't good enough. 09, we didn't make it to the playoffs because we weren't good enough. And 2010, we lost because we weren't good enough. Now, I Was there a scenario where we could have won the championship in 2010? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we knew before the season, the series started, oh, the Lakers are better than us. We have to find the cheat code to win this series. And we almost did, and it didn't work out. I think... Now, people have the feeling that if it doesn't work, then it, all of this is trash and let's, let's start all over. Mm-hmm. And so for Denver, you know, 2019, you're too young probably. And and like you said, also, flip a coin, maybe you win that series, right? 2020, right. you lost to a better team. Last year, or 21, you had injuries. 22. You lost to a better team. So you sit here in 23 and say, is the problem my coach? Well, no. I mean, mean, we've given him talent. He's performed well with the talent. Is the problem my superstar? No. There's the eye test, and empirically, this dude helps his team more than any other player in the league. Is it the supporting cast? Maybe, but also, you know, it's not like there were opportunities to upgrade this roster that were passed on, mm-hmm. at least not that we know of. So at some point, there's just got to be a kind of a, a realization that, yeah, it's hard, man. Like, not everybody wins. There's only one right. winner a year. And if you look at the history of the NBA, it's not even like a randomized thing. It's like seven franchises or whatever have won 90% of the titles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, there, there is a level of... The similarity I feel of that, like, yeah, you can be a great team and a great franchise and and not win, because that's what we went through in uh, in Phoenix. Uh, but also, like, there's a level where I'm like, man, I feel bad because people, the way people talk, makes it a lot more drastic. Like, the solution is a lot more drastic than it really needs to be. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I'm getting at with uh, talking about like the mid market fans. They're just so consistently used to losing, 
right? They're used to being mid. It's in the name. They're used to being good, but not great. Good enough to compete even at times, you know, George Carl got us there with Carmelo a couple of times. He got us close, but, but I think, you know, a lot of the fans will say they've been through trauma now, which I don't really condone because as someone who used to work in like mental health services for people who really Mm -hmm. been through real trauma, I'm like, you know, this is just a sports team that you really love. And I get it because I really enjoy my sports teams too. But just how heartbreaking is it, you know, during that run from 05 to 010, like you said, you know, to have great, a great franchise, a great team, even an MVP, and to not make it to to win the championship? Or is there value in the journey along those those five years? Like you said, you have you can remember it perfectly. Like there were moments yeah. worth remembering those two. 15 plus win streaks and and so on yeah i think the uh the the big thing is in the moment it is hard because in the moment all you're thinking about is what if this is our last chance you mm-hmm. don't know what's gonna happen mike d'antoni used to always talk about this he said dan marino made it to the super bowl like in his second or third season and they lost and he said everybody said oh it's all right we'll be back next year and you know we'll, we'll win it or right. when we get back, we'll win know the thing, the mistakes we made, and we'll, you know, correct on them and then we'll win it. And then he never made a Super Bowl again. Right. So you never know if this is the last hurrah while you're going through it. You know, people say, oh, there's always next year that really don't have that thought process because you know, to be a championship team, to be even a contending team, there's so many things that need to break your way. People have to stay healthy, uh, people have to stay out of trouble. And um, guys have to get along and guys have to accept their role because I can bring you the same team back next year. No injuries, um, no, no off court troubles, nothing. But the guy who was happy playing 18 minutes and standing in the corner for kickouts and, you know, just playing hard defense. Now he's like, I want to do more. Mm -hmm. This isn't enough for me. I'd like to do more. Uh, The Lakers had that with Trevor Ariza. Right. They won a title in 2009 and in a role that was perfect for him. And he's a free agent. He said, no, actually, I want I want to be a star. I want to have the ball in my I want to play like Kobe. Mm-hmm. So you just you never know all the things that might change from le- this year to next year that might get in your way. So every time you fail, there's a feeling like what if this was it man what is this how it ends like you know you feel that and that's just by the way just from the, the standpoint of oh how hard it is to get through it let alone if you're a staffer the idea what if they fire everybody now because we didn't mm-hmm. get the job done that was yeah. every year of my life working in phoenix there was that moment where like they're gonna get rid of everybody they're just gonna clean house and bring in new people because we didn't get the job done so the emotional, not not to compare traumas to people who are the victims of violence and, and things like that, but it's certainly not like having a bad day at your job as an accountant, you know, or as a, a paralegal or whatever. Like the, the lows are extremely low. The mm-hmm. highs are extremely high. As you move away from it, and it's easier, obviously, for me because... I don't work for a team anymore. I don't have to compete for a championship anymore. Mm-hmm. The perspective allows you to kind of recognize, oh, like it was actually really fun or whatever. 
now do i regret not winning a championship absolutely i want to i wanted to win one i wish we won one not just for me but also for people like grant hill and steve nash who were and you know Raja bell and great people great athletes um Amari Stoudemire, like just guys that I think, you know, played the game the right way and, and really did everything you could have asked them to do. Um, but also, obviously, I get to walk around as an NBA champion, I mean, Alhassan. That changes that changes my life tremendously. That changes yeah. the, the value of the words I say, even though it really shouldn't, right? Because, it you know, if you look at the margin between winning and not winning, it's so small. Right. Yeah, it's to go. Oh, you 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 guys lost in the conference finals three times. I mean, shut up. What do you know? Like, like it doesn't make, that doesn't make sense, right? Like, um, it's not like I'm coming from a lottery team or whatever. Um, but then the other thing also is, I'm lucky that I played for a team that had Hall of Famers, that had. I mean, I, I tell people all the time. Yeah, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion. Uh, we uh, we were coached by Mike D'Antoni and then Alvin Gentry. Our president of basketball ops, Steve Kerr. Our GM was David Griffin. Right. I mean, all like, names everyone knows. Every every year of the finals since I left the Suns in 2012, every single year has featured at least one player or one staff member that I worked with in Phoenix. Wow. Every year. Wow. So. And in many years, both teams had people. Mm -hmm. So, and we played a style that influenced the way basketball is playing down. Like we may have never not have won it, but I tell you what, like we lost to the Spurs in two thousand seven. How many teams in the league play like those two thousand seven Spurs, and how many teams play like the two thousand seven Suns? Yeah, for better or worse, like we changed the way basketball is played. So I think those things that make me feel better about myself about my career uh, i i wonder a lot like if i had spent my entire career working because you know when i worked for the hawks we were terrible we worst teams in the league when i worked for the knicks we were terrible so what if my whole career was working for terrible teams then i would say maybe don't take too much stock in what i say right <laughs> maybe maybe I, I would have no credibility like you know who have i been around what what greats have i watched do their job i wouldn't have those kind of same experiences but i got i was lucky i was in a great organization with great players and, and worked for great people yeah i mean some could say that even in a losing organization you you win or you learn more from the the yeah. losses you know so uh, there's plenty up, to up learn until point. <laughs> up until point i i worked four seasons for losing organizations i was like ah okay lessons learned can we get to winning now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean you kind of touched on it a little bit just talking about your memories there like i feel this similar to to what you're describing like wanting to live in the moment because i don't know like how much more nikola jokic do we get this is mm -hmm. a guy who seems like he'd be very content to leave the league you know, after making his next, his right. signing his next contract or something. So how do we, how as fans, as Nuggets fans, do you have any advice for like just living within this moment of time when we're getting a chance to watch great basketball, even if it doesn't, you know, culminate to an end point of a championship at the end of this road, because there have been great moments along the way. 
Yeah, no, I mean, appreciation. I think that's the word is just appreciate what you're watching. And and I'm not saying don't demand more of the nuggets, uh, but also kind of accept that, wow, man, I, I got to watch this guy play every night and throw these incredible passes and, and uh, these awesome post moves and up fakes and, and up and unders and all that stuff and hit big shots and win big games. R really appreciate that and appreciate you know, the words you said earlier, the journey, right? Because it is about the journey. And this recent tough spell where you've lost five of your last uh, six or seven games, yeah, that that you need that, almost like a palate cleanser sometimes to say, oh, yeah, that stuff that we were doing earlier this season, it's not written in stone that it's going to happen every night. Like, mm -hmm. so... Again, I have to sit here and and kind of appreciate when it is going well uh, because that's going to carry me or should carry me through the times when it's not going well. Um, but also, like I, like I said, I think there is something where you, it's fair, I think, to expect more from, your from the team, from the franchise. Uh, we did on Basketball Illuminati a, a study of all the MVPs through their first eight years in the last 40 years or so, their first eight years of their career, how many all-star, all-NBA, all-defensive team selections happened to their teammates while right. they were teammates. And we ranked, it was 22 MVPs, I believe, in that period. And dead last on that list was Nikola Jokic with zero. Not a it's single impressive. player he he's played with actively became an all-star and all-NBA or all-defensive team selection, right? Paul Millsap was an all-star. It didn't happen in Denver, right? Or, you right. know, for someone else or, you know, someone else might go on and win and, uh, you know, uh, who knows? Well, Bones Highland becomes an all-star. That doesn't count either because it didn't happen in Denver. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> you kind of have to ask, the Nuggets are a good team, but has the front office has ownership made it a great team given him the pieces he need as we ask him as we hold him accountable for not winning a title did he have everything available to him right and if the answer is no then you know like how how can we hold him accountable for not doing more it sounds, seems like he's doing all that he can and he just needs some more help yeah absolutely uh I, I feel like he's the last guy on the list that you can really blame for any losses because he shows up every night and he puts up ridiculous numbers. So and he and he played like and that's that's not a small thing either. If you look at his games played or games missed, I guess per season throughout this dominant stretch of his, he's one of the lowest, if not the lowest, of any superstar in the league. He plays right. every night. So again, as a Denver fan, not only appreciating the durability and all that, but also the privilege that if you happen upon tickets to a Nuggets game, chances are you're going to see him play, which right. isn't something you can say about most of the other superstars in the league. Yeah, especially in the West, especially in the West right now, at least. Yeah, there's a lot of them sitting or injured right now. Um, right. 
I mean, the Clippers sat their entire starting five after a half of basketball in Denver against mm-hmm. this this lineup. So I'm curious if you think um, or if you felt like during that run 05 to 010 or, you know, even throughout your the rest of your time with Phoenix, did you feel like uh, that team and those players got the respect that they deserved, like going to the Western Conference Finals? Or did you feel like they weren't really you know, given all of the respect they deserve because they fell short of the final goal. Locally? Because, Lo- yeah, locally, internationally too. Locally, the, the team was loved. People loved that team. Um, I still see it. I'm good friends with Leandro Barbosa, who played for us. He's now an assistant coach with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, and, and I see, like, sometimes we'll go out when he's in town, we'll go out to eat or whatever, and people will still come up now i mean he wasn't a superstar he won six man of the year yeah uh, in 07 i want to say but he wasn't like a superstar he didn't have commercials he wasn't on billboards everywhere but the number in of brazil people, <laughs> yeah in brazil that's different yeah. the number of people in phoenix will come up to him and say you are one of my favorite players i grew up watching i wanted to play like you etc cetera, etc cetera. it's endless and we didn't win a title like we were just a really good team but that that team was loved uh, in a way that I what happened over the next decade after we left um, from 2012, pretty much until the team went to the finals in 21. I could not never have imagined. I said, no, this team loves the Suns. The ci- I mean, the city loves the Suns. They'll always love the Suns. They'll always come come to games and stuff like that. And no, like instantly as the management got worse and the team got worse, people were like, I got better things to do. I'm going to go watch some Cardinals football or whatever. So locally, for sure, I thought we always got love and and respect from the fans and from local media, whatever. Nationally, like, you hear a lot, oh, what has Mike D'Antoni ever done? Oh, Steve Nash won two MVPs, but he never went to the finals. You get a lot more disrespect. Like people say, oh, Kobe should have won the MVP in 06. I mm-hmm. said, on a seven seed or whatever the right. hell they were. Like a, <laughs> and, a, and like I said, before Powell got to LA, man, we used to beat LA like a drum. Like it, it wasn't that era. I'm not saying Kobe Bryant wasn't a great player. I'm just saying people are kind of doing reverse engineering, taking the success that happened afterward after they made their team better. Because again, they're mm-hmm. the same thing. You can be a great player if you don't have help. It, you're not going to do it on your own. Right. And then extrapolating it backwards. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. You know, so, um, you know, I like, I, I, there is some level of kind of disrespect, I think, or, or lack of appreciation, I should say, from the masses nationally, especially considering, like we said, watch your favorite team play. Chances are they play like us. Right. Right. I mean, even the Nuggets implement some of their current Nuggets teams implement some of the strategies and and gameplay that you guys and D'Antoni kind of started in that time. So it's just kind of outrageous to even say or think that. But um, one of the last things I wanted to ask you and get get to is just we've talked about, like you said, like injury kept you all from winning at certain times. Injury has kept the Nuggets from winning. Now they have Jamal Murray back. They have Michael Porter back, who's shooting lights out. Um, there's lots of lots of factors, lots of variables that will affect whether a team wins a championship. And in the West, it feels like, dang, like 
you know, now we have Kevin Durant as a factor in yeah. the West on a Phoenix Suns team that was already lethal before you add Kevin Durant to it. So what is, in your opinion, you know, as a guy who's been in these teams, who's helped develop these teams that get to Western Conference finals, you know, year after year, what is the biggest thing, in your opinion, that the Nuggets are missing in order to, you know, win a championship this year? What are they going to need to have in order to get over this hump and not just make it to the Western Conference finals, but let's make it to a finals? Yeah, it's funny. I should have mentioned this earlier because you asked me what are the other similarities. Defense. Right. The defense is is a a sore point. Uh, I think much like us, the Nuggets defense isn't quite good enough, but also isn't as bad as people make it out to be mm-hmm. um, overall, overall over this stretch. Obviously, the last again, last 15 games, whatever you want to call it, basically since all star break, the defense has fallen off considerably. And that was something that. Uh, I, you know, Mike Malone and, and his staff, they took pride in kind of their ability to coach this team up defensively. I remember, was it the first time, was it 18-19? That was the year they moved into top 10 in defensive rating after yeah. being 26-27th the year before. And mm-hmm. I remember I asked Coach Malone, I said, usually when you see a team get that much better defensively, one of two things has happened. Either we had a change in the roster, we added a Kevin Garnett, we added a Tyson Chandler. We added someone who is a transformative defensive player who makes everybody better defensively. Or there's a change of personnel. We got a new coach, right? Or, or even just a new defensive assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And I said, neither of those things happened with you guys. You were same people, same players. You got better. And, and like, that's really rare. And he talked about like, they all were on the same page at, we're not good enough at this and this is holding us back from being who we should be. And, you know, they all took it upon themselves to kind of raise that level. And I think that's where this Nuggets team is right now. If you look at where their defensive rating was before the all-star break, it was uh, like 113 or so. That was, you know, that's close to top 10. Yeah. It was like 14th or 12th. There you go. And that, now, since then, they've dropped. They've dropped. They've been they've been allowing almost 117 points per 100 possessions. And that's, like, in of itself is a bottom five defensive rating. Obviously, now, when you combine their whole season thing, they're about 17th now. But, again, that's that trend downwards, I think, has a lot to do with the struggles. The other thing that needs to happen is, whether it's Murray, whether it's Porter Jr., there needs to be a consistency of... I am this guy every night. Like mm-hmm. in someone needs to be, I'm not saying they have to be the the you know the Clay Thompson to some to Jokic's Steph Curry, but you gotta at least get Chris Middleton levels, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like I can count on you, and even on nights when you're not playing well, I can count on you in these moments, mm-hmm. right? At the ends of games. That to my eye has not been the case every night for Denver. And yeah. because those guys aren't quite as talented as many other number twos around the league, it's more important for them to kind of get that going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see like there's been inconsistency for Jamal. I think he's still like struggling on his knee after being out for a couple of seasons. And I think with Michael Porter, you know, it comes down to they don't run 
as many opportunities for him like like they do for Jamal in order to make I mean he's consistent in his numbers that he his opportunities he gets he's actually quite consistent but it's you know does Malone trust him enough to it's, actually give him the ball in late situations but it's but it's, part of it is that and part of it is there are other reasons dictating why he doesn't play right yep. he's in, inconsistent inconsistently on the floor because they can't count on him defensively to mm-hmm. prioritize that. And I think, and it's important to note that Jamal and Jokic and some of these other guys, he wasn't there for that, that, that Kumbaya moment in 2018 or 2019, whenever it was. So he also has to grow up and kind of accept some of those responsibilities as part of what's expected of you. It's not just, will I get buckets? Yeah. How key do you think it is that they added Aaron Gordon and, um, Pentavious Caldwell Pope to the lineup as far as like for for the defensive purposes and KCP being a guy who has won a championship recently. Yeah, I think I think that's the big thing is is first of all both of those guys are are two way players, right? They they're not just defensive lockdown guys and then on offense just kind of shrugging. They bring value on those sides and that makes it easier to play them in those uh, scenarios. Um, but it it is huge and Bruce Brown's another one uh, defensively that really helps. Uh, them in that regard but you know like that's part of yeah you have to have good defensive personnel to be a good defense I believe that but also you still has to you still got to work it's not like well we got these guys uh, now we're good I think there Mm -hmm. still is a a level of focus and commitment to that end of the court that the team needs to have in order to make that work and again because they're so good offensively, because Jokic is so talented, you don't have to be the 90, 94 Knicks, right? And like, oh, we're allowing 70 points a game, whatever. You just have to be good enough. And what mm-hmm. we've seen from the Nuggets recently is they have not been good enough. And that slip in defense of being merely good enough to not good enough is the difference between, uh, you know, in 20-game increments being amazing, 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 and then all of a sudden, uh, you've lost five of your last six games. Right. All right. Last one. Um, did you, did you think that, um, the momentum going into this, into the postseason, the last few games that this kind of skids, is that beneficial to them because to the nuggets, because now they bounce back to this mindset of, Oh, you know, we are the underdogs. People do think we don't have we're not where we need to be defensively. Does that serve them well? Or, is the pressure going to be there? Because like y'all, you know, this would be their like fifth season in a row knocking at this mm-hmm. door. And um, I, I'm wondering how much pressure y'all felt in that last, last kind of run. In well, again, you never know, right? You always, every year always feels like this is the last time they're ever going to let us do this. Right. 2010 was different because we also had Amari Stoudemire was going to be a free agent. And uh, that was obviously a huge thing. And then um, Steve Kerr quit probably like a week after our season ended, and David Griffin did the same thing the next day. So we had a lot. It was we had term, true turmoil that let us know, okay, this is this is all falling apart right now. But in that moment, while we were playing that season, I don't think we had the thought. Any of us had the thought this was going to be the last year. Other than, you know, the usual jitters you have about a season. So five years. I mean, the good news is they made a conference finals not too long ago. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see. I know we saw that in Utah. They hadn't made a conference finals. They had five years of things kind of going wrong for them. And then last summer, they lit a fuse and blew everything up. I don't think Denver is there yet. Um, But you never know, man, with this league. I mean, who knows? They lose in the first round. Maybe that's the, the thing. Like, oh, we got to change everything. Because at the end of the day, it's billionaires who are running this. And billionaires don't tend to be patient people. They tend to want everything now, now, now. Yeah, yeah. And Kroenke, we know, has won a lot of championships lately, so I'm sure he's yep. itching for one in the NBA. I super appreciate you jumping on the pod with us, Amin, and giving us your expertise. Um, everybody can follow him at Darth Amin on all the social media platforms, and of course, check him out on the Levitard Show and Sirius NBA Radio. And Basketball Illuminati. And Basketball Illuminati. The best one. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.